lesson tonight from Isaiah chapter 30. Book of Isaiah chapter 30. Verse 1, woe to rebellious children, says the Lord, who take counsel, but not of me, who devise plans, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, who go down to Egypt and have not asked my advice to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Interesting. It says rebellious children, I think he means teenagers. <laughs> Maybe that's what he really meant, right? Uh, but it's uh, very, it's interesting how he makes that analogy. Obviously God knows, right? God's been around a while and he has seen um, where, uh, you know, they get to the point where they think you don't know what, anything. They start off small, they think you know everything. <laughs> And then they grow up and they know that you don't know everything. <laughs> and then they start thinking, you don't know nothing. <laughs> That's when it becomes problematic. And so they don't tell counsel. God has wonderful counsel, and he's speaking to our hearts and to us. When we don't take counsel of the Lord, we think we know better than God. Like rebellious teenagers. Think we know better. Try it our way, this way. And then he goes on to say, and not only are they not listening to the advice he's giving, but they're going and taking advice from other people. They're going down to Egypt, down to the Pharaoh, and thinking he's going to strengthen them. They're trusting in the shadow of Egypt. Nothing there, nothing but a shadow. When we listen to others who are not godly, or listen to others who are giving us advice that is in contrast and directly opposed to what God is counseling us through his word, we need to take heed. God's word gives us direction in our lives. He gives us counsel. His spirit is called the counselor. We read from earlier in Isaiah where, where he talks about God being called, where a son shall be given to us. We called counselor, mighty God, everlasting of the Father, Prince of Peace. Counselor is one of his names, one of his positions. One of his characteristics, to give us counsel. He sees the end from the beginning. He's got a great vantage viewpoint. He can see down. He can see everything. He can see all the way to the east and the west and all around the world. He can see the past. He can see the future. With a God like that on our side, who loves us with an everlasting love, calls us the apple of his eye. There's nothing more important to him than, than us. There's nothing less important to him either. Everything God cares about and everyone God cares about. And he is the counsel. He will give us counsel. He will direct our path. We don't have to fear. We don't have to be afraid. Unless... We were rebellious and refused to listen to him. Verse 9, this is a rebellious people, lying children, children who will not hear the law of the Lord. So he's talking about his word, his Torah, which gives us counsel and gives us direction. Who say to the seers, do not see, and to the prophets, do not prophesy to us right things, speak to us smooth things, prophesy deceits, who say, turn out of the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to leave us. 
Here are people asking, begging for the speakers, for the seers, the prophets. Not just to shut up. Not just, don't, we don't want to hear from you. But we want to hear from you what we want to hear. Tell us what we want to hear. Tell us things that please our ears. Tell us things that go along with what our desires, our carnal desires are. Tell us things that satisfy the impure nature. Don't tell us about your law. Don't tell us about right or wrong. Just tell us everything's okay. Teach us smooth things. It's all okay. It's all good. Don't worry. It's all good. It's all smooth. Do whatever you want. You're okay. Heaven's big enough for everybody anyway. And uh, just continue living your life and don't worry. There's no right. There's no wrong. Whatever you feel good, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Just go with the flow. Smooth. There's lots of ways to heaven. Your path is good. My path is good. Lots of paths. It's all about love anyway. Just love one another. All religions at base teach love, right? Don't they? So they're all just good. They're all just, just take whatever you can from every one of them and it's all right. Lots of versions of God, but there's really only one God, right? So hey, it's all, it's all okay. Now the Lord is a jealous God. He is the God. And his word is the word. And his law is right. And it is good counsel for us. It is the right path for us. And God does see. And God is able to prophesy. And he is able to give us good counsel. Thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. Not going down to Egypt, not going to others for strength, but he is your strength. And it's in confidence in him, not confidence in yourself, not confidence in our own abilities, not confidence in our own wisdom, not confidence in our, our, our past and, and, and good decisions we've made in the past and our learning, our confidence is in him. And he shall be our strength. In quietness, in listening to his still, small voice. Elijah was in the cave running from God calling upon him. God wasn't in the tempest. He wasn't in the hurricane. He wasn't in the earthquake. He was in the still, quiet voice. It's in being quiet and listening to the Lord. We don't know what quiet is anymore. Get in your car, you turn the engine, the radio is already blasting. Some people walk out of the house with the TV still going on. Walk in the house with the TV still going on. Non-stop. Always active. People standing online, checking their emails or whatever they're playing on their thing there. You know. Non-stop. Never quiet. Never sitting still. 
so we can hear God speak to our hearts, speak to our souls. And quietness and confidence in God is our strength. It's in returning to him. Teshuvah, repentance, turning, returning to God. And resting in him. Trusting in him. Having faith in him. Having confidence in him. When we're fretful and fearful and nervous and struggle, we get all panicky. We can't hear the right way. It's choosing to trust. Choosing to believe. He loves me and he knows what's best and he will open the right doors. He will guide and direct as we trust in him. I remember one time years and years ago, I was traveling across country and um, I stopped in a congregation to have services and they had a prayer box out in front. And so I took the prayer card and I wrote guidance, give me guidance. And I thought, what else can you write? <laughs> Is there anything else you can possibly put on a piece of paper? Is there anything else we need as humans other than for God to guide us day by day, moment by moment? Guide and direct our path. Show us what you would have me to do today. Show me what you have me to do now. Guidance. In returning and in rest, you shall be saved. He is able to save us. Save us from ourselves. Save us from our rebellion. Save us from our rebellious nature that wants to rebel. We're all born that way. We're all born with the natural inclination to rebel against God. To not want to hear what he has to say. To not want to know his law. To not want to know his will. But in returning to him. And in resting in him. Trusting in him. Putting our faith in him. He will save us from that carnal nature. He'll take our natural inclinations. To do it our way. And he takes it upon himself. That's what the Messiah came to do. To take it upon himself. To remove it from us. And to actually kill it. Kill our carnal natures and replace them with his mind, with his heart so that we can rest and have confidence and strength in him and be still and be quiet and hear his voice. Verse 15, still chapter 30, but you would not. We would not return. We would not rest in him. You said, no, we will flee on swift horses. Therefore you shall flee, and those who pursue you shall be swift. One thousand shall flee at the threat of one. In running away from God, then everything will cause us to run. You've seen it, I've seen it. When we reject God and resist God, we start running from Him. We don't want to hear His law, we don't want to receive His counsel. We want to do things our way. And then the person just gets chased all over the place. The devil just has heyday with them. From one thing to another thing, never quiet, never peaceful, never able to just sit down, always having to sear the conscience, always having to blot out God's call upon them. They don't hear it. Busy, 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 chessing, running, from one thing to another thing. 
from one place to another place, running and running from God. Again, even Elijah ran from God. But it was in returning and rest that he received the salvation of the Lord, that he received quietness and confidence in the strength of God. Verse 18, the Lord will wait. What a gracious God. That he may be gracious to you. And therefore he will be exalted. That he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait on him. Blessed are those who wait on him. I think that's one of the hardest things for us is to wait to sit quietly and wait on the Lord. But the Lord, he is patient. And he loves us so much, even in our rebellion, even that we don't want to hear, even that we go to the seers and the prophets, tell us smooth things. We don't want to hear God's way. We want to hear smooth things. And running, even as he says, rest in quietness to be saved. We say, no, we're going to run. And he waits. He waits. He waits until we're ready. He watches. He looks for opportunities. And he's constantly reaching out to us. He's gracious to us. That's why he deserves to be exalted. Because he loves us with an everlasting love. Now again, his love is everlasting. And his patience is everlasting. <coughs> but he will not allow those in rebellion against him into heaven. He loves us. Doesn't mean he accepts what we do. Doesn't mean he accepts our wrong choices. But he waits patiently. And unfortunately, many people in this world that he's been waiting on will make him cry. Because they will never return. They'll never repent. They'll never rest in him. But he waits. And he watches. And he appeals. And he calls. And he has mercy on us. He's counted us all as sinners. So that he might have mercy on all of us. We don't deserve the mercy of God. But he gives the mercy to all of us. And to all of us equally. One price paid for all of us. The greatest price that could ever be paid. The greatest sacrifice that could ever be made. Thus he counts us all lost. So that he can have mercy on us all. That he can save us all. That he can work in all of our lives. For he is a God of justice. And as we learn to wait upon him, not running ahead, not doing our own thing, not looking and looking and looking until we find someone who will tell us what we want to hear, but that we look and we wait till we hear what God wants to tell us. Verse 19, For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem, and you shall weep no more. 
He'll be very gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. So he waits. He lets us run. And he waits. He follows. He keeps track. He goes before us. He meets us. He opens up doors. He opens up opportunities for us to see him. And he waits. And when we cry out to him, when we realize that we're running in vain, when we, when we finally realize we're looking in all the wrong places, when we finally realize we're listening to all the wrong people, and we cry out, O wretched man, who shall save me from this bondage? Who will save me from this death? Who will save me from myself? Praise be the Lord, that in him there is no condemnation as we return to him, as we repent, as we accept his mercy, as we accept his love. No condemnation to those who are in the Messiah, Yeshua. And when he hears us cry, he hears. And he's there in a moment. He hears us before we cry, and he's there ready and waiting for the cry to come forth. Oh, what a gracious God. What a loving God we have. Verse 20, though the Lord gives you bread of affliction and water of affliction, or bread of adversity and water of affliction, yet your teachers will not be moved into a corner anymore, but your eyes shall see your teachers. The Lord allows adversity and affliction. Why? Well, a long answer. No real good answer here on this earth. But God knows best. That's the short answer. We can have confidence in him. He knows what's best. And he won't let us go through any adversity or any affliction unless he knows it'll help us to be closer to heaven. It'll help us to be on the path that he has called for us. Sometimes he allows the adversities and afflictions to be bumpers to keep us on the straight and narrow. So we learn not to go to the shadow of Egypt. So we understand what rebellion against him causes. Sometimes just because that's what we wanted anyway. And so he allows the adversity and the affliction to run its course. But even though the Lord gives us bread of adversity and water of affliction, he loves us still. And he loves us through it. And there is no struggle and no temptation and no pain that we go through that he doesn't go through with us. No situation, no problem that he does not allow a way of escape. 
There's no temptation taken on, but such is common to all. We're not in heaven yet. Adversity and affliction comes because we're on the devil's turf. We're in enemy territory. But heaven lays beyond so that we can look forward to the eternal heaven with him. And though our affliction here, it's only for a season. It's only for a very short season. 70, 80, 90, 100 years. What is that? Compared to when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we have no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. So it's 100 years. Compared to 10,000 times 10,000 times 10,000 of years. It's a light affliction as we pass through this dark world. Verse 21, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left, It's in returning and rest that we shall be saved. It's in quietness and in confidence that we will have strength. It's in those hours, it's in those times when we're able to hear God's voice. We hear God's word saying, this is the way. Walk in it. But if we don't sit still, if we don't rest in him, if we don't put our trust in him and our confidence in him, we won't hear that still small voice saying this is the way. Too often prayer for us is a one-way conversation. We tell God and then we get up and run. Back to our busy time. Sometimes we pray on the run. Sometimes we pray with the radio on. Or the DVD on or whatever. Or the TV in the background. How can we hear and say this is the way? Unless we stop and listen. He'll guide us. He'll direct us. He loves us more than he loves himself. I'll say this is the way. Walk in it. We need to listen and learn to hear his voice. It comes in listening. The more we listen, the more we recognize that voice. We'll know it's his voice if it's according to his will. If what we're hearing is according to his law. If it's according to the principles laid out in the word of God. If it meets the criteria of being just and true and good, virtuous, praiseworthy, if it matches God's mind, if it matches God's heart, if it's unselfish, 
It's putting others first. We'll know it's his voice. Get used to hearing his voice. Sometimes it's in the little things, and it's in the little things that we learn to hear his voice. It's when you're walking out of the house and, and you hear a word behind you saying, you should take your umbrella. And you keep on going anyway. <laughs> and then you get stuck in a downpour. And you think, you know, I thought about bringing my umbrella. <laughs> That's how you know it's his voice. Or maybe, you know, you're already out in the garage and you hear that. and you, Oh, yeah, I'm going to go back. And you go back and you get the umbrella. And you get in the car and it doesn't rain. And you think, well, what was that? But who knows, maybe that little delay saved you from that accident. It's in learning to hear him and listen when he tells us to do something. If you hear a voice in your head saying, get the umbrella, is that against God's law? So then maybe that was God speaking to your mind. As we learn to listen to those little things, my grandmother used to call it hindsight. Because she'd see afterwards that she should have listened. <laughs> we learn to listen, and then we'll hear him more and more. We'll recognize that voice more and more. Our heart is open to him and receptive to him. Surrendered to him. Lord, I want to do your will. And we can't fake that. And if it's not true, we can repent and say, God, I don't want to do your will. So take that out of me. Put it upon the Messiah. Bury it away. And give me your heart that does want to do your will. And then we'll be able to hear his voice. Then he'll be able to direct our paths. Verse 22. You will also defile the covering of your images of silver and the ornaments of your molted images of gold. You'll throw them away as an unclean thing. You will say to them, get away. Get rid of the silver, the gold, the ornaments, the images that distract us from God. There'll be repentance. So we turn, returning and rest, turning away from the things of this world turning away from our selfish carnal nature and turning to God, then we'll hear his voice. Then we'll experience the quietness and the confidence, the rest and the salvation of God. But if we're holding on to the things of this world, we won't be able to hear his voice. The devil will chase us and be very swift and the voice of one will chase a thousand. But as we allow God to give us the gift of repentance, as we allow God to give us the ability to let go of the things we've held on to, then he can say, this is the way. Walk ye in it. When you turn to the right or you turn to the left, I'll say, this is the way. Walk in this path. Verse 23, and he will give the rain for your seed with, the, with which you sow the ground and the bread of the increase of the earth. It will be fat and plentiful. In that day your cattle will feed in large pastures. 
as we repent and turn from the things of this world, as we hear God's voice and we follow his way and follow his word and follow his law, he'll lead us in green pastures. He'll lead us into prosperity. I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel, which is all good here on earth, but his prosperity, whatever that is for us. It might be affliction. <laughs> it might be adversity. But it'll be good because it's on the path to heaven where we'll sow seed and have bread of increase and fat and plentiful. And he's not talking about fat waste, but fat barns filled with plenty and good pastures. And there will be on every mountain, every high mountain and on every high hill, rivers and streams of water in the day of the great slaughter when the towers fall. Here he's putting together two events that come simultaneously. The coming of the Messiah to take us to heaven, to take us in preparation for the new heavens and new earth, in preparation for the everlasting life with him where there will be on every high mountain and on every hill rivers and streams of water. Rivers and streams usually don't start from the top of mountains. They come out of springs outside the mountains. But in God's economy, everything is upside down. Everything is different. God's able to make everything new. He's able to make streams come out of the tops of mountains. He's able to provide for us miraculously in ways we can't think of because he knows what's best. His ways are way beyond our ways. But in that great day when those streams come from the top of mountains, when the barns, the barns will be plentiful and our seed will be sown and give us great increase, that will also be the day of the great slaughter when the towers fall. In that judgment day, that great and terrible day of the Lord. Great to those who love his appearing and terrible to those rebellious children who don't want to hear his ways, who don't want to hear his laws, who say to the seers and the prophets, tell us smooth things. Who say they want to run and flee. there'll be a day of judgment. And it'll be a great slaughter. And the towers of this earth will fall. Simultaneously, God's deliverance to the righteous and the destruction of the wicked. You see it all throughout the scriptures. Here's just another example. In that day, adversity will be over. Affliction will be over. Every tear will be wiped away. And there will be no more mourning and no more crying. Verse 26, And moreover, the light of the moon will be as the light of the sun. And the light of the sun will be sevenfold as the light of seven days in the day that the Lord binds up the bruises of his people and heals the stroke of their wounds. Again, the new heavens and the earth will be beyond what we can imagine. The moon will be so bright it will be like the sun. 
And the sun will be seven times brighter. And yet it won't burn us. And we won't get sunburned. And it'll be light all the time. And it'll be glorious. Because he is the light thereof. And he's seven times or more brighter than the sun. And we will love his appearing. And we will be drawn to the light. Be drawn to him as we surrender our hearts and minds here. And he'll bind up the bruises. He'll heal the bruises of the afflictions and adversities that we go through now. He'll heal the wounds that we have been struck with. As we return and rest in him. Verse 27, Behold, the name of the Lord comes from afar, burning with his anger and his burden is heavy. His lips are full of indignation and his tongue like a devouring fire. His breath is like an overflowing stream which reaches up to the neck to sift the nations with the sieve of futility. So again, back and forth because the events are simultaneously. He comes for the deliverance of his people when he comes and destroys this earth. With a devouring fire full of indignation. Behold, the name of the Lord comes from afar, burning with his anger. The next appearing will be the judgment, will be with burning. Does this sound like when he comes, there'll be all peace and happiness and joy? and We're all just going to sit around together and things will just continue on as they are? Just our flowers will be nicer in our backyards. And the restaurants will serve better food. No. He comes and he destroys the wicked and he destroys this earth. And he delivers his people and takes us to the rooms in the new Jerusalem that he's preparing for us. Where he, for a time he will bind up our wounds and heal our afflictions as he gets ready to recreate a new heaven and a new earth. Verse 29, And you shall have a song in the night, and gladness of heart. Come to the mountain of the Lord, to the mighty one of Israel. Another song. Isaiah's full of songs. I'm going to sing this song a little later on in the service. You shall have a song in the night. Gladness of heart. As we come to the mountain of the Lord, come now. Come to the mountain of the Lord. Do you need guidance? Do you need direction? Do you need to hear God's voice? This is the way. Walk in it. Just tonight as I came in, someone said, pray for me. I need guidance. I was thinking, sermon is right timing. We all need guidance. Come to the mountain of the Lord. Come to the mighty one of Israel. Return to him. Throw away the silver and the gold, the idols and the ornaments. Throw away the things of this world. Turn your backs on the shadow of Egypt. Turn your back on the false seers and the false prophets. And return to the Lord. Stop running away. Cease rebelling and surrender to him. 
fall into his arms. Come to the mountain of the Lord. And in rest, and in quietness, and in confidence, receive of his strength, because he's the mighty one of Israel. Verse 30, And the Lord will cause his glorious voice to be heard and show the descent of his arm with the indignation of his anger and the flame of a devouring fire with scattering tempest and hailstones. Again, back and forth. The events happen together. His deliverance. Gloria's voice will be heard. His descent of his arm to come and to gather us unto himself. And yet with his indignation and flame and devouring fire, he burns up and destroys and melts the garbage of this earth. What are we holding on to? What are we clinging on to? Some concrete and mortar? Some trinkets? Some metal cars? Tin cans? Our pride? Our ego? Our own way? Our pet peeve? A little solitary thinking. Surrender it all. There's nothing worth holding on to. Anything that separates us from God. Anything that separates us from his will. Anything that separates us from his word. Anything that keeps us from receiving his quietness and his peace. Surrender it all. Come to the mountain of the Lord. Come to the mighty one of Israel. We pray together. Whatever your need is, whether it's guidance, whether it's to hear his voice, whether it's to surrender something, whether it's to repent, whether it's to return, whether you need rest, whether you need peace in your heart and mind, receive from God. Receive of his power. Receive of his strength as we pray together. Our Lord and our God, King of the universe, we praise your name for your wonderful promises. We're thankful, Lord, that you wait for us. We're thankful that you've been waiting with outstretched arms. Thank you that you've been reaching out to us. Thank you that you've been calling us. Thank you that you've called us here today. Lord, thank you. You know the ways for us. You know what's best for us. Lord, even if you lead us through the valley of the shadow of death, even if you lead us through the, the bread of affliction and the water of adversity, Lord, guide us to your heart. Guide us into your arms. Guide us in your paths. Whatever is blocking us from being able to hear you, convict us, show it to us, and remove it from us. Give us the gift of repentance. Give us the gift to let go, the ability to let go. We want to confess our running away from you. We want to confess our blocking of our ears. We want to confess that we've gone to hear smooth things. We want to surrender all that to you. And we want to give you permission to speak to us and reveal your truth. To give us your heart that desires your will and that's willing to walk therein. Give us a willingness and give us the power to do it. 
Lead us in the way everlasting. Lead us in your path. In Yeshua's holy name. Amen.